Lent is a time for disciples to be renewed in the new life that was begun in us at baptism and to strive to deepen that life and commitment to the Lord. Lent is also the time of final preparation for those who will be baptized at the Easter Vigil and for those who already baptized will become Catholic and enter the church. Uh, We have reached the point of Lent where some very long gospel selections place a particular focus on the new life won for us by the Lord and the effects of that life in the baptized. God's people, Israel, were his chosen people. They were to be a holy people and a consecrated nation whose vocation was to advance in the world as a sign to other peoples of what it means to belong to God. But being chosen did not mean that the Israelites had it easy. Far from it. Great hardship came their way. Hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt, the harsh passage through the desert in the Exodus, exile, captivity, and dispersion among other races and nations are just a few of the highlights we know well from the scriptures. The opening lines in today's first reading tell us the difficulties and setbacks and challenges of belonging to God as a unique people, which caused the Israelites those hardships did, those difficulties to harden their hearts against God. In the desert, their physical thirst was not satisfied. And in another sense, that thirst that was their desire for fulfillment was also not satisfied. In their weakness, the people sought to fulfill themselves in ways that ultimately never fulfill, by positioning themselves against God in grumbling and in doubt. God heard their cries and provided water from the rock, And so the place of their doubt and quarreling, Masa and Meribah, about whether God was in their midst or not, became a symbol to the people that they should not let hardship cause them to seek to satiate their thirst apart from God. Our thirst and God's thirst for us is central to the gospel of the Samaritan woman at the well. We have a natural thirst that needs to be quenched. Our bodies need that kind of fulfillment to be quenched of its thirst. But thirst is also a symbol of desire for better life, desire for fulfillment, hopes, and aspirations. And it's clear in the passage that these different senses of thirst are in play in the gospel because it becomes clear that the woman and Jesus are speaking of different kinds of water. She speaks of literal water from the well. Jesus speaks of living water that wells up to eternal life. In this meeting place of the woman's thirst for water and Jesus's thirst for souls, his love for souls as God, we find a hidden message. God sees and knows our struggles and hardships, like the people in the desert. And so he weds himself to us to bring us relief, fulfillment, and new life. 
A major part of why I've been captivated for quite a while by this passage, it's just a very rich passage, is because of its hidden nuptial imagery. In the scriptures, to have a man and a woman meeting at a well has implications of betrothal and marriage further down the line. Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at a well, and not just any generic well, but Jacob's well. The Jewish mind would know of wells in the Old Testament that were important meeting points. Abraham's servant meets Isaac's future bride, Rebekah, at a well. Moses meets Zipporah at a well before they marry. Most especially for this gospel, Jacob meets his beloved Rachel at a well, in fact, the same well as the gospel. They marry and become the patriarch and matriarch of Israel. Now, certainly the nuptial imagery of Jesus at the well is not to be understood in the sense of a literal future wedding, for we know that Jesus was celibate. But the nuptial relationship and imagery remains, and we know that Jesus is the bridegroom of his church, the scriptures tell us. Isaiah had prophesied to Israel that your maker will be your husband in Isaiah 54. And he said, your builder shall marry you in Isaiah 62. And Isaiah prophesied that Israel would be called no longer desolate, but espoused. To see the Lord at Jacob's well with the Samaritan woman sets the scene for us to understand that the Lord has a great love for his people, his scattered people, imaged in this woman from Samaria, and that he loves them and desires them more than they, more than we even know. Like the Samaritan woman, we can seek to satisfy our lesser thirsts, our physical thirsts, while being unaware of the one in our midst who offers us living water. If only we would ask. And there is the key for us. Hardships and struggles and setbacks and sufferings plague us too in both direct and indirect ways. We can grumble and complain against God about our lot in life. In fact, I would say I'm not even so much concerned about the direct doubts and grumblings against God. At least a person who does so is honest and acknowledges the doubt stirring inside. But the indirect and tacit doubt in grumbling ignores our deeper thirst and seeks to satisfy it in so many ways that will never last. Don't dismiss the possibility that we are like the people in the desert who doubt if God is with us. No, ours may not be a direct statement of doubt, but do you foster a meaningful and daily prayer life? If not, that's what I would call a silent Meribah and Massa.
But in the face of that silence, of our questioning and our struggles and our doubts, the Lord is already at the well waiting for you. Do you seek to satisfy your longings, your thirst by your own means and in ways apart from God that will never satisfy? Well, that's tacit grumbling. The Lord already knows your sins and calls you to repent, just like he knew the life of the Samaritan woman, leading her to repent and say, come see a man who told me everything I have done. Over the course of her conversation with Jesus, the Samaritan woman was illuminated to recognize Jesus and to come to faith in him. We thirst for God. And we must be careful not to let hardship and struggle drive us to seek to satisfy our thirst in grumblings and doubt that separate us from God. For they will never satisfy. Rather, in prayer, we are transported. We arrive at the well and find the one who thirsts for us first. As the water came from the rock in the desert, so we learn from St. Paul that Jesus is that rock in his letter to the first Corinthians. He is struck on the cross from which he cries, I thirst. Give him a drink of your faith and seek from him the living water welling up to eternal life.